0: Kind of feel like this morning after the anthem of Ferris Lord Jesus when we hear that song that we say amen and go home. <laughs> um, thank goodness God's mercy seat is open for us. Thank goodness. As uh, you turn in your Bibles to Matthew 16, verses 19 through 20, it's on Pew Bible or so your page 8. 11, 811. I wanted to uh, call your attention to uh, a couple of things that uh, in the Bible, when you find the word heart mentioned, nowhere does it ever talk about this organ that's beating. The Bible is always talking about the very core of the person Uh, Bringing together emotions, reasoning, will, spiritual devotion. The heart represents who you really are, who I really am. Determining what motivates a person's values, actions, character, and thinking. Uh, I I learned that from my father. Who he had a, uh, Dr. Gutsky was his professor. I shared this with my Sunday school class this morning, and. My father was having real doubts about seminary life and uh, Dr. Gutsky comes in two weeks after seminary has started and my father is really doubting some of the hearts of the people around him in his own heart and Dr. Gutsky tells him to do that very thing. Go look at the word heart in the Bible and see what it says and he comes back, my dad says, it has nothing to do with the organist about who we are and, and then Dr. Gutsky says, yes it, the heart is changed by Jesus Christ. And if your heart has been changed, Jim Baird, then you are a Christian and you are called to preach. Now go forth and do likewise. And it was a turning point in my father's ministry. Um, as we get ready to go, I would like to make sure you you know that uh, John R. Uh, gave me this this book on the his uh, golfing buddies on uh, notes from the Sermon on the Mount has been very helpful to me tonight, and so has sermons by Ligon Duncan and and Benson and Barnes and uh, Elliot uh, and Myers and pulpit commentaries. These are all the ones that I've gone to to kind of put this together. So let us let us read from Sermon on the Mount, uh, verse nineteen from chapter six. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If there, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray. Father, we thank you as we look into your word now. You will direct us and guide us. And we pray that by the power of the Spirit, you will uh, speak to your servant who is a sinner and in need of your grace and need to be directed even tonight. And I pray that whatever is spoken will be according to your will. Father, that uh, these dear people, they would leave here more in love with you than when they came. In. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, this is the infallible and errant word of God. It is breathed out by God. And that's why we listen to it. And this is why we preach from it. I was telling Dick and Betty when I came in a little while ago that I think I preached this about 1989 at the old service downtown the old church I mean and uh, I'll tell you I think I'll preach it differently I was at a seminary and I was more of a Pharisee than probably the Pharisees that were Jesus is talking about and I look around I see a few that were around then Ken and Lisa were around and uh, Betty and Claire were there and Uh, that's probably it that would have heard me maybe KK oh yeah Bill Stanway he's back there he heard me back then but I probably would have come in and taken this passage and said you guys get right and you do this and you make sure you're obeying God's word that's how you'll be a better Christian I've learned a lot in the 30 years since then. And I hope tonight uh, Dick and Betty can go back and find it in their Bible that they will hear this uh, a little bit differently. Um, there was a, a lady named Hetty Green years ago, 1916. She dies and she's worth $200 million. But before that, when her son was 16 years old, he broke his leg. But she was so cheap, she went around looking for somebody to treat it f- for free. And in the meantime, her son's leg gets infected and they have to amputate it. But she was a millionaire. But that's how she lived her life. There was a guy named Jane Paul Getty, first billionaire in America. And yet, he installed payphones in his house because... He didn't want visitors making long distance phone calls. And uh, if you remember, some of you remember, his uh, 16-year-old grandson was kidnapped. And they asked for a ransom of $17 million. And he said, no, I'm not going to pay that. Because if I pay that, then I have other grandchildren that will have to be paid for. So I can't afford that. Well, they ended up cutting off his ear to say, hey, we're serious. And they brought it down to $3 million. He said, pay $3 million. He said, no, I'll pay $2.2 billion. And later on, we find out that at that time was the maximum amount you could uh, have a tax deduction bill you would appreciate for somebody who's been kidnapped. And so uh, there you go. In 1919, there was a guy named Bert, and he becomes a multimillionaire. When he dies... At age 87, he is one of the eight wealthiest people in America. But he puts it in his will that none of his money is to be distributed till his last grandchild dies. He did not want any of his immediate family to get their hands on his money. And so the last grandchild dies in 1989 and then 21 years later in 2010 a group of about 12 people come together and share about 200 million dollars the bible talks about money 2000 verses in the bible deal with money four times as much as dealing about heaven hell prayer and faith combined 16 of the 38 parables of christ dealt with money and possessions Jesus mentions money and possessions 109 times in the book of Matthew. He was a tax collector, so I'm not surprised that he doesn't remember, or he remembers that. 57 times in Mark, 94 times in Luke, and 88 times in John. And so Jesus has a lot to say about wealth, possessions, and money. And last month when I I was preaching on the passages right before this, we were talking about giving. We're also talking about praying and fasting, but we started out by giving. And I, I told you, if you remember, if you have to, to draw a line right down the middle of your notes, if you are taking notes, and on one side we're going to say what does God think and what does God want us to do with our giving, our our fasting, and our praying, or praying and fasting, and then what do we do for man's adulation? adoration what do we do because we want man to think well of us and pretty much do the same thing if you're taking those if not don't worry about it but tonight we're going to look at the heart as we continue in three ways about treasures verses 19 through 21 perspective verses 22 through 23 and ownership in verse 24 a few things to consider first uh In the Old Testament, if you go back and you look at Deuteronomy, specifically the Pharisees, when they look, they are drawing the parallel that they see that the blessings of God in obedience tend to come out in possessions and wealth. And so as they were looking at that, they kind of came up with their theology and that theology was if we obey God then we're going to be wealthy and if you are wealthy that's a sign that you are righteous and that is why Jesus was always pushing back against the Pharisees because that's not what God intended God was always after the heart he was after the heart the heart is what God wants and he wanted for obedience Also, this, in the Bible, nowhere does God say that being rich in possessions, wealth, material is wrong. We can't say that because of people like Abraham, Isaac, Joseph of Arimathea, Lydia, Job, David, Solomon, Joseph, and Barnabas. So it's not about having money, it's not about that. God is talking about. Our heart, what is going on in our heart? And out of the heart, the issues come forward and it deals with things like our treasures, 19 through 21. Now, on one side, we see what does mankind think? What is our culture? And it hasn't changed. By the way, people are the same. I remember going to Africa. For some reason, I was thinking, I'm going to find out people are so totally different here in Africa. And when I got there, I said, they're just like me. I was, I was with all of these, these guys, and, and they like sports, and they like music, and they like to laugh, and they like food. And I said, they're, they're just like I came from. They're like my brothers. They just speak a different language, and they have a, a different culture, but we're just the same. And it's the same. People haven't changed over the years. We can go back since Adam and Eve forward to where we are right now, 2023. People are the same. And it's about our heart. And so man's view, and this is what Jesus starts with. He starts with the negative. In verse 21, he says, don't lay up. And the Greek means don't stockpile. Don't stockpile precious things. For the here and now. And Jesus is using the negative to teach. And it's the is Do not, please do not do this. Don't do what? Put all your treasures on earth. Why? Because the earth is the arena in which we live and operate in a space and time. That God is going to prepare us for eternity. And we all, as I look out, we all know this. The time that we have here, God is preparing us for heaven. This type of action and attitude, God says, and Jesus is saying, if you're stockpiling everything here, putting all your your time, effort, and energy in, in obtaining money, 401k, land, property, whatever, you're deceiving yourself because satisfaction for your soul is never going to be in accumulating things or money or power or wealth or intellect. And Jesus is saying, "If that is what you're pinning your hopes for your soul satisfaction, you're going to be so disappointed. for this present form of the world is passing away." First Corinthians 7:31b. Solomon knew this, the wealthiest man who's ever lived, Ecclesiastes 5:10. "He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income, this is also vanity." He knew it, and he had it all security and and i was i was talking to dr abraham this morning he came in a beautiful uh, coat a wool coat and i was telling him about what i was going to be preaching about and uh it says that don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and i was telling him about these beautiful wool pants i had and and i came to put them on after a summer, and I look at them, and they've just been eaten away on one side. I'm going, man, these were beautiful. So, Doctor Abraham said that's why you put, uh, you know, the um, what was it you said, Doc? Put cedar, and 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 I did it. So if you have some beautiful wool stuff, make sure you put cedar in your closet so they don't get eaten. But you know, Josh was talking about this morning, about in his sermon that that people. Especially the ladies where he was saying, look, it's not how you dress that God is impressed with. There's nothing wrong with dressing nicely, but he's looking at your heart. He's looking at your heart. And all these things that he talks about, your your money, it, it, you know, if you have, like me, you looked at your savings and your stock market and your, you know, this last year it was here, now it's here. Um you know, I've already told you about my clothes. When I was in Africa, you probably have heard this, um, and uh, my parents came over and they brought me two new pair of tennis shoes. One was a pair of Nike and one was a pair of Adidas. And and they were leather, and I was so proud of them. And uh, I wore my, my Nikes to work that day, my, my blue Nikes, but really my heart was with the my red adidas you know and and i was so proud of them i come home and somebody's broken into my house and they stole my adidas and so for the next year and a half i'd be walking around looking at people's (laughs) looking at you know i was looking for those red adidas i never found them you know they probably ended up in sierra leone or something but you know and and i think god was up there saying Knox, you dummy you know, you put all your affections and, and love on a stupid pair of tennis shoes. And he says, thieves going to break in. And they stole other stuff too, by the way. But that was what really hurt me. But if, if all the things that we are depending on can be stolen, can be taken from you, then they're never going to be satisfying. Which brings us to... How do we view treasures from God's point of view? And what should we be stockpiling? By the way, it's not wrong to stockpile money for your 401k or your savings or your child's college education or for you to live on. God never says that. It's wrong. But if that's what you're putting your hope and satisfaction in, God says you got a heart issue and we need to deal with it. What he's saying is that eternal salvation, things are, of eternity are the most important things. Now, Deborah and I are having the dickens of a time teaching that to little Knox and Hannah Jane. I'll just tell you that right now. And um, I don't know about y'all that, if you've, how you've taught your children and how they've grasped it, I, you know, please come up and help tell us. You know, I, I pray and, and we try to teach, and it's like beating our heads sometimes against this pulpit. But God says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Matthew sixteen twenty six. And I know that I'm talking to people right now who believe that. I know y'all believe that. And we sing the song. When we've been there 10,000 years bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. How often do we delight in our heavenly eternal home? So when you're having a bad day sometime I want you to think, I want to think about heaven. I want to think about what I have in heaven. And I was telling my Sunday school class and some of them are here, you ladies back you didn't have to come because I told you this sermon Sarah's smiling. I can't see Kathy, okay, and Amy, I'm looking at Amy. But We have the here and the not yet. If you are a Christian, we have the here and not yet. You'll hear it from the pulpit all the time. What do we have The here. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we have eternal salvation. We are found righteous in the eyes of God. We have that. But what we don't have, we don't have perfection that we will have one day in heaven. So when we have the heartaches of life, when we have the issues, when people get cancer, when we are disappointed, what it's supposed to do is to remind us of what we're going to have in heaven one day and we look forward to that and say, that's what I have and that's what my delight is in and ultimately that's what my treasure that I keep close to my heart that's going to see me through satisfaction. The second view of God and treasures what we should be stockpiling is is part of advancing God's kingdom we say it every Sunday morning thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven we talk about that we're having a missions conference that's coming up this church for years and years and years has been a part about building the kingdom of God both locally and foreign missions and that is important that is what we can take with us in a sense, we can be a part of praying, giving, going, and by the way, we're going to do all of that in a missions conference. you know we're going to give to a special project. one dollar can send one child to ten days to VBS. One out of four kids that go to this VBS in India becomes Christians. You know money that we give, whatever we give, if we give hundred dollars, probably we're saying twenty five kids are probably going to become Christians. If we give a 1,000, it's going to be 250. That's what this church has been about ever since I've been here because this church supported me when I went to Africa. We're about helping the kingdom of God and that is what we find satisfaction in our hearts and our treasure when we get to heaven and we see people that our church and you and me, we've been praying for, we've been giving their hair in heaven. That's our treasure that's what our delight is in. And then we have a part in building up each other. It says that to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ until we all obtain the unity of faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. That is what we can be. Putting our treasure in as well is building up one another. Helping one another in their Christian walk and faith. That is what we should be rich in. Using everybody here has abilities and gifts that God has given you and me. And we're to build up and help one another in their Christian maturity. And then... There are going to be rewards in heaven. I don't understand it all. Let me read this from 1 Corinthians three, ten through 14 I think it's, this is God's word. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, this is Paul saying, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he built upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day. That's the day when Christ comes back and there's the final judgment. We'll disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built upon foundation survives, he will receive a reward. I don't understand it all. Maybe Dr. Justly or Josh and Zeke can get up here one day. But all I read is that there are rewards for the Christian in heaven. What you do on this life, it matters eternally. And you might be saying, I don't know what I'm, it's really that important. God says it is important. What you are doing right now, what I am doing right now, God says we're going to be rewarded. Again, I don't understand it, but this is what God's word says. And so when you look at treasures, whatever those treasures be that God has given you, you're looking at it, am I really dependent upon it for my satisfaction here? Or do I have an eternal an eternal viewpoint? God's viewpoint. Which we come to verse 21 And it says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, the heart. It's not this organ right here. It's who you are. Who you are. Your heart and your treasure are tied together. The things that are most important to you comes out of who you really are. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. With the mouth one confesses and is saved. Romans ten eight through 10. Vanity, vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of all vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil in which he toils under the sun? Ecclesiastes 1, 2 through 3. It's going to be one way or the other. Verses 19 and 20 have an important word. There are a lot of important words in there, but there's one word that's really important as you look there, and that is yourself. What are you laying up for yourself? What a person believes in their heart the very being will determine who you are and what you value and strive for with a single focus to stockpile your treasures, be they earthly or heavenly. Now, here's the good news. Because none of us are going to do this perfectly, right? Okay, you could be saying, this is where I messed up in 1989 and I've asked you guys to forgive me. Marion, you're probably in the eighth grade or fifth grade or sixth, whatever. I ask you to forgive me if I was... I don't know how, you were what, 21 or... Okay, well, anyway. I ask you to forgive me because God's a God of grace. And he knows, he knows that we're not going to do this perfectly. He knows we're going to fall and stumble. And guess what? We live in a broken world. Nobody is perfect. I found this, this, this book that I really... I really like the, I really like the, you know, the, what is the word I'm looking for? The, 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 not the, the title. I like the title probably more than I like. And it's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's by Eugene Peterson. And he wrote it on the, the Psalms of Ascension. But he says this in there, blessings are at the end of the road. And that which is at the end of the road influences everything that takes place along the road. A joyful end requires a joyful means. Bless the Lord. Um, and I was thinking about myself here, maybe more than anybody else, and I was just thinking about frustration and emptiness. What When I get frustrated about things, Usually they're having to do with things that are of this earth. And when I I focus on things of God, the heavenly things, the things that God has called us to his ministry and what God is doing and the blessings that I have with Jesus Christ, I'm not that frustrated. I'm a little bit frustrated that I'm not better along in my sanctification at times. I'll look at Deborah and say, man, I wish I could be like her. But the things that I really get frustrated about are usually that, that earthly treasures that are crumbling very rarely is it with my my heavenly treasures um, which leads us to perspective verses 22 through 23 uh, I was gonna point everybody to uh, my my eye doctor back there John Turner but he's not sitting back there Sean's sitting back there but Dr. Turner's not there and the night I'm talking about the eye he wouldn't be back here but um, we'll have to do it later. But some interesting eye things about your eye. Uh, your eye can focus on fifty different objects every second. The only organ more complex than the eye is the brain. The eyes can distinguishly can distinguish approximately ten million different colors. Eighty percent of all learning comes through the eyes. Which of the five senses would you not want to lose? Touch, taste. Hearing, smell, or seeing. I would think all of us would probably say seeing. If I had to keep one, I know it would be being able to see. Um, That's why when Jesus was healing the blind, it was was really miraculous because the the fellow in in John 9 who was born blind, um, nobody they knew of at that time had ever been born blind and then could start seeing. But our eyesight is so precious to us. And, and Matthew, in a sense, is linking the eye and the heart together. He, he's saying, he wants us to understand the perspective on life, especially dealing with our wealth, our money, our riches. Um, have a perspective on it that God has a perspective on. And, and he's probably thinking of John. Because if you read the Gospel of John, John is always talking about light. Darkness, light, darkness. Listen to this, John three nineteen through 21. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And Matthew is, that's John 3, 19 through 21. Matthew is saying the healthy eye is full of light and truth of God and views things from God's point of view. This, and I'm, again, probably you guys get that. And he's saying if your eye is clear and good, you are looking at things like your wealth and riches and power and accumulation from a spiritual point of view but he says if it is dark and that word dark means evil wicked results in agony unhealthy then you're seeing only from the world's point of view 2nd Corinthians 4 4 says this the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. As you're reading the New Testament, and really the Old Testament as well, whenever you see light and darkness, you need to say this is perspective of people's hearts. This is how they view anything. From God's point of view, because we have been saved, we are to be humbled. We are to be humbled that that God has saved us and that we can see this way. And we're not to be surprised when we run into people who have darkness in their their view of anything from money to sex to power to to anything, time, climate, whatever. So concerning money and material possessions, I, I, I'd like to point out the following perspectives. Okay, from God's point of view, this would be from Psalm twenty-four one. Psalm 50, 10, and 12. All things belong to God. All things belong to God. Number two, I am responsible to be a good steward of the possessions that God has given me for his glory. All things belong to God. I get to be a steward. And I want to be a good steward. I want to be responsible for all the good things that God has given to me. Number three, I'm in I'm allowed. And you are allowed to enjoy the gifts God has given to me and be satisfied with what he has provided. And number four, my greatest satisfaction and joy comes from the eternal gifts as I look forward to heaven and eternity with my Savior because I can't take things with me. Now, on the other side of the ledger, what if you have a, a dark eye, This is what you're saying. All things belong to me. And I can do whatever I want to with these possessions because I have earned them and they're mine. And number three, I will not be happy unless my possessions bring me joy and I always need more. And fourth, my greatest fear is that I'm going to die without having enough stuff. I think those are the two different perspectives that you deal with with money. Which brings us to the last verse, verse 24. The eye is the lamp. I'm not sorry. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Greek. This is from all these people that I looked at. The Greek word for serve means to be a slave. And to be assigned to an owner. That's what he's talking. You cannot serve but one master. You're going to be assigned. Your heart's going to be assigned to one owner. Number two. The word master means he who controls. Something is going to control your heart, my heart. Number three. The word hate means to despise with the utmost contempt. We're going to despise and we're going to hate something. Number three, the word love is the word agape, which means to love by embracing God through Christ. There's going to be something that we totally embrace and it's going to be the most important thing to us. The word devoted means to hold firmly on by grasping. We're going to be grasping what we love and what we're devoted to. The word mammon means to treasure a person or thing that we put our utmost trust in, an earthly treasure, no matter how good it may seem. If God loves you and has given you a son for you and for me, this tells us what we will find our life and our purpose and serenity in our heart to. As we leave here tonight, look, again, by the grace of God, we're going to look sometimes and say, well, "I fall." if I'm honest, if I evaluate myself, if I look at my time, my treasure, my talents, I find sometimes I'm sliding over here and I'm depending on them like an eye that's dark. And God says, that's okay, Bear, but don't stay there. You come back here, but I want you to have a long obedience and we're going to fall down. And we're going to mess up, but we're going to get up because Jesus is going to pick us up and he's going to brush us off and say, I've loved you, I've given my life for you, you are saved, and this is the direction I want you to go. And you go that direction. I I read to you some stories about three people that were really messed up with money. And when I was in Africa, I came across uh, the work of a guy named um, R.G. Letourneau, who uh, wrote a book called, uh, well, it was a book on his life called Mover of Men and Mountains. And he he developed all these patterns of the caterpillars. And if you see these big bulldozers and earth movers, um, he developed some huge ones. And he went especially into Africa and he moved a lot of dirt. And he made a lot of power lines. And he knocked down a lot of trees because of all the equipment that he developed. And uh, let me read some of this from his book. As a young man he surrendered his life to the Lord and after he counseled with his pastor he determined to pursue his inclinations to build earth moving equipment. He made God his partner but he had a biblical understanding of what that means and after he became successful and money started coming in uh, he went to his wife and this is what Josh was preaching on, men, we need a good helpmate. If you're married, praise the Lord. If you're not married and you're a man, you need a good helpmate. Because his helpmate, her name was Evelyn, came to him and he said, Evelyn, I think we should give 50% of our income to God and 50% of Letourneau's money that they make to God. And she said, RG, I think we should give 90% of both what we make and what the company makes. And he said, Sweetheart, you are right. And they did that. And I was, I saw what R.G. Letourneau did in Africa. And God blessed him. And look, we don't all have to do that. But I was so discouraged after reading those three people that we started off, Mrs. Green, Burke, and Getty, and I was just like, oh, God, sometimes I'm like that. But then I run across a guy like this guy, Letourneau. And uh, I said, God, I want to be like him. I want my heart, I want my vision, I want my treasures to be just like him. And God can do that. I'm convinced the best days of this church are in front of us. And probably you people right here are going to be why. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that... uh, you have saved us why? not because we're so great that's obvious but because of your great love for us and you've given us heavenly treasures and father you you've given us earthly treasures and we can enjoy them but lord help our hearts not to be stuck on that help our hearts to be looking to your kingdom's sake help us to have a heavenly perspective about all our treasures whether they be with money or our talents and abilities and father when we mess up and we fall down and by your grace pick us up point us to heaven and help us along the way and we pray this in christ's name amen